I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She. Sometimes we feel like we have to really be bold in having um, others understand our contributions mm-hmm. by by almost grandstanding, like, look at me, I've done this, I've done this, I can do that, mm-hmm. don't forget about this thing right. I did, right. instead of just having the confidence to have our outcomes and our work stand on its own. For 27 years, Stacy Browning was president of Paycor, a local Cincinnati payroll services company where she helped grow the company of 11 employees to employing over 2,000. She is creative and a self-starter. Stacy gives great advice to women about how they can communicate better, being clear, concise, and strategic. She talks about the dangers of the lack of diversity within companies and about the importance of setting boundaries around not being included in important conversations which take place at casual, after-hours male gatherings. Enjoy listening to Stacy Browning. Welcome today. Thanks oh, thank for being here. Thank you so much for having here. me. I'm just so excited. I'm getting goosebumps again. Um, Stacy and I didn't know each other, uh, but we know a lot of the same people, and we just uh, we did just the circles didn't overlap. But uh, you were a YWCA career woman of achievement, and as was I. So we have that in common. Um, and we met last week in Starbucks, and uh, we didn't know each other. Uh, so first time we met. And I don't know why I decided to tell her this, but the first thing I said to her is, I had a nail fall off in the car and I didn't have a chance to put it back on. I hope you understand that I, you know, personal grooming is important to me. (laughs) That's hilarious. We bonded over our manis. And our manis. And the weird thing was your nail tech was there at Starbucks. That's right, right, yeah. Yeah. Boy, I went with the party nail and uh, for the last couple weeks and that was not on brand. So these are all things that executive and professional women need to take care of. Right, take care of right away. So uh, I connected with you right away. I felt like, oh, we're in the same, cut from we the got same real. cloth. Yes, we got real fast. So, um, and so I'm so excited to have you here today. Um, tell me about your experience with Paycor, your career there, your rise, uh, and then we'll talk about uh, the announcement in today's local business paper. Oh, sure. Well, uh, spending so much time at Paycor uh, has really been um, incredibly rewarding and easy. So it is unusual these days to say that you've been at a company for 27 years. I did start as the 11th employee in a sales role. We licensed software. And you know, I think I just kept getting more responsibility because I was always willing to do more than one thing. One of my favorite stories about how that started is that the founder of Paycor, who has been just such a great mentor and sponsor and champion for me, his name is Bob Coughlin, mm-hmm. he was putting an ad in the uh, the business courier, local, local business journal, and it was late in the day, and I'm going to totally date myself, but he, um, you know, we... He needed it to look good. And I said, hey, it's late in the day. You've missed the deadline. Why don't I take it to Kinko's and desktop publish it? (laughs) And uh, I went um, and rented some time on a Macintosh and made the ad look great. And that sort of started my one eye for design, but also willingness to do a little extra. I became the company's first director of marketing and VP of marketing. And then we decided to break away from the solution that we had licensed, and I got involved in the software development process, ultimately becoming 
in charge of software development and IT, and ultimately the uh, chief product officer. And, you know, something clicked inside of me. I love the creative process. I loved working with teams, making a vision, and then, you know, putting it into actuality and really having customers use products. And um, it was really just has become a passion. So um, really gained um, a lot of experiences um, in service and other areas and ultimately became the company's president, mm-hmm. leveraging all that cross-functional and general general uh, business knowledge um, in December of 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that that was when you were promoted to president. And I've heard great things about Bob Coughlin, great mentor to you. And you and he bring good strengths. We and, definitely yeah. had complementary abilities. Yeah, It's great when you find that type of partnership in the work world. Right. So you were with the same company for 27 years. You and I talked about this. We're both entrepreneurial types. But I think uh, even though it was a became a large corporation, you helped grow it. And there was there is an entrepreneurial play there. You were part of growing it. Right. And even though it was a corporation, a big company, uh, you still got the entrepreneurial juice from it. Yeah, right? there were tons of opportunities at a high growth company to do new things, whether it was launching a new product, whether it was going into a new market. I know when I became president, I really thought about what would a new person do? What should I start? And I initiated uh, senior leader roundtables from our client base so that I had the voice of the customer really in my ear Mm -hmm. when making decisions. So there were plenty of opportunities to be entrepreneurial within a company mm-hmm. like how Paycor. Many, how many employees at Paycor today? Today, there's over 2,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big company. Um, so the, the business career today, Cincinnati Business Courier, announced your new opportunity with Cincy Tech. Yes. Tell me about that. What yeah. are you doing now? So, you know, maybe it's helpful to back up just a, a little bit. It's, yeah, when you it's, left Paycor, yeah, let's yes. talk about that. Right, Um Leaving Paycor was a really hard decision. In fact, looking now at it, it the buildup to making the decision to leave was harder than actually leaving. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all that free time, you know, you yeah. realize what was the, what was my problem? Right. Um, you know, I reached a point that I certainly was doing a lot of things I loved, including motivating people, building teams. But I, I did miss um, a little bit more of what I call leadership headroom, like being able to chart that new course um, because we knew what we needed to do and it was about executing it and great partners and great team members and everything. I just sort of made a halftime career decision that if I didn't do it now, I wouldn't do it. So decided to leave and really was not specific about what I wanted to do. In fact, for a while, I had a big white po- big white piece of paper posted on um, a spare bedroom wall and post-its thinking about which di- different door or which different opportunity should I go after. And I just kept coming back to wanting to be helpful within my hometown, which happens to be Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, to foster creativity, innovation, entrepreneurship within our community, um, be hopefully a role model or encourager of other women, but really all people to get involved in tech. 
and Cincinnati, Cincy Tech was a board I've been on, and um, I kept sort of hanging out there and being pulled to it and decided um, when they asked me to say yes to being a managing director there because as a venture capital firm, I will be able to own software companies, help make new investments in software companies, mm. But really have the diversity um, that really is fueling me right now when I want to personally, you know, set a new course and have different experiences Mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about, and that's exciting. That sounds like it's right up your alley and it's going to be fun and exciting. Um, But let's talk about Paycor sold. uh, There were various stock owners. You and Bob had a portion of the stock. And then there were other people within the company that had stock. Uh, But you elected to bring in an equity partner. Right. uh, And worked with some New York investment, New York City investment firms uh, to to recapitalize the company with their funds. And then then you decided later to leave the company. Right. Tell me about that decision process. There's a couple high notes. So, first of all, um, it. I've come to realize it's fairly unusual for uh, a company like Paycor to um, and the, have the vision, especially of Bob and, and um, others, to really um, share the company through a stock option program at such uh, a broad degree. And so over the course of our need to finance the business really to the goal of growth and serving customers and building great products, you know, it it made it became clear that we um, it was a good time for us to sort of narrow the deck of investors and so we did bring in a private equity partner in 2018. You know, that was actually a really good process for me. I had been kind of hanging out with the investment banker types and was really early on given the opportunity to get more in tune with the financial aspects of the business, even though I, by nature, am more of a marketer, more of an operator, mm-hmm. the creativity person in right. the software development process. And that has been really eye-opening. And in fact, now I really encourage other women to not shy away from the numbers or the financial track mm-hmm. uh, because while it is a, a little bit of a different <laughs> sea, <Right. laughs> uh, those waters can be um, very easy and uh, beneficial mm-hmm. to a career. But yeah, the 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 path that Paycor has been successful, it's been a, a hard work um, that paid off and um, some of the gains were have been shared. But I know the company has even a bigger, uh, has even more of a vision going mm-hmm. forward. And so I remain an owner. And so I will always root for sure. our hometown Paycor. Sure. So you went from 11 employees to 2,000 employees in in the 27 years. What did you learn about business and what did you learn about yourself in this fast-growing company? What did you learn? Hmm. Well, a big thing I learned was to play to people's strengths. Hmm. So, you know, a team where everyone is sort of the same and has the same strengths really winds up being less successful. I became uh, pretty good and a student of type, not to stereotype people, but really to bring out different capabilities that would result in a better outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite interview questions to ask someone is, what don't you do so well? Because I've also found that um, the ability to be introspective and honest with oneself mm. really makes a difference because if you can't figure out who else needs to do something on the team, um, that might actually 
be a blind mm-hmm. spot that gets in the mm-hmm. way of results. So I would say, you know, something that's helped growth uh, at Paycor in my leadership is really getting good at understanding people and putting different mm-hmm. types of people on a team. Right. Yeah, we talked about intuition. I'd like to come back to that. But you made the statement to me last week when we met, I hire people better than me. I hire people better than I've me. I've tried to. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really I, well, subordination of your ego. There. I like to, I like to, you know, play at a high level, and I'm just aware I can't do it all. Um, especially in the area of software development, there were always people smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, once I became president, somebody who was more expert at something like digital marketing or branding, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have no. Uh, shame in acknowledging that someone has greater expertise than I do. I, I like to leverage that. I talk a lot. It, it's really from a book called, an old book called 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. What's um, it called? The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I okay. guess that is a mouthful. Yeah. Um, but one of the topics in that book is this concept of a leadership lid, mm-hmm. where people who are great leaders tend to, by nature, hire people that are not quite as strong as they are. But when you hire people who are not as strong, then you really don't get the results. Right. Um, and you really mm-hmm. have to be an evolved leader to hire people better than you underneath mm-hmm. you in a way that does not cause them to feel like they're bumping into limitations in the work world. Right. Because they're really looking for freedom and mastery in their job if they're really good at it. And, and you are the one that leads them and not gets not get in their way. And, and what do they need to succeed? You know, that's a good leader, right? I certainly haven't gotten it right all the time, but I really tried to listen to people's motivations mm-hmm. and help them succeed and get what they wanted. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Um, and we, let's talk about intuition. Uh, there's a broad statement about women. I feel like I have this. It's almost a sixth sense about people, and it's served me well uh, reading people. I have pretty good intuition. I think you do, too. How have you used your intuition at PACOR and in your life? There have been times when I just know something, and sometimes I have to actually make myself be more reserved, put myself on pause because I want to really fact check my intuition. Mm. I like to then surround myself by people who might go a little slower. But uh, I do think it's an important capability, especially when you're in a high growth, fast paced environment to be among the first in the room to get something. And when that comes to reading people uh, that will help you in interviews, um, you know, all sorts of environments. Um, there was one time I really knew that I would be asked to do take on a responsibility, and I actually wrote it on a piece of paper and put it in an envelope and sealed it. Hmm. And then when I was given that responsibility, I opened it, and it's just that visual that I still remember uh, to tell myself to trust my instincts yeah. and try to do the right thing along the way. Right. No, I think it... Uh... It is. Uh, it is something, and it's not always. I'm not always able to verbalize it or or even acknowledge. Like there's something here. There's something about him. There's something about her. There's something about this situation that doesn't feel right, or it does feel right. You yeah. know, and just trust that. Mm-hmm. You know, trust it. And fact checking is one thing, but usually my fact checker is my husband. He's the one. I'm like, hey, this happened. What do you think? He says, Sue. You know, people don't change. Okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sounds so, like a good sounding point. Yeah, he is. 
Um, we talked about women and communication and how they communicate. Um, what have you seen with women and what advice would you give to young women in communication uh, as they're in a, a meeting or whatever uh, around communicating? What, what have you seen and what advice would you give? I do, I do think that communication is a competency that assists someone in leadership. And as I, we talked earlier about my getting more involved in the financial realm uh, throughout my career as I um, really um, climbed the ladder, uh, and I really had to figure out what worked and what didn't. And communica- communicating in that set- setting is, um, is different. So one thing I learned, and you maybe wished I learned it sooner, is that sometimes when women, and I guess anybody, talks very broadly, maybe has a wider lens or an intuitive lens, and can take in a lot of pieces of information, it it sounds to others, and especially men, that we might be overly detailed in the weeds and more tactical. Mm-hmm. And so it's and what I might be thinking, boy, this project isn't go going to go well unless we handle detail A, B, C. Aren't I strategic because I can see this wide mm-hmm. view? It comes off to others who are more linear or often men um, who prefer a more pointed or um, uh, narrow lens mm-hmm. in terms of their speaking like we're less strategic. Mm-hmm. So um, I have found benefit in trying to be very succinct. And now I'm thinking about my speaking right now. Am I doing this? <laughs> but, you know, being as clear and um, and concise as possible. And then certainly if there's a need to go deeper on a topic, uh, we can do that right then with permission. Like, hey, we have more details because there's a lot of things mm-hmm. we don't want to forget about. Is this the right time to talk about it or should we take that offline? Mm-hmm. Just even doing something like that will actually make women seem more strategic mm-hmm. than being in the weeds mm-hmm. at every point in time in a meeting. Um, sometimes women don't know. Maybe they're not really sounding like they think they're sounding in settings like that. Mm-hmm. I've seen that, too. And I think there's a tendency for us because we can look at a project and know how it gets done. And we do are detail-oriented, generally speaking, okay? Not all women are detail-oriented, but we know how to get it done. And I think there's a tendency to over-communicate. When men and women communicate or women with other women, you know, there's no need to over explain or repeat ourselves or anything like kind of bullet point it. Bottom Less line words it. are OK. Sometimes Less words are OK sometimes. So really be aware of of the amount that you're saying. And uh, so you're the two messages I hear the over communication, sharing, you know, too much, uh, not bullet pointing things. But the other thing, it's a very important point that we talked about. Uh, in that you're talking about, and that is that women do tend to be multitaskers. We get a lot of stuff done often, and you know, in a meeting with mostly men, one or two women, it's kind of like here are the guy with the ideas, but I'm the one that's raising my hand and say I know how to get this done. You know, so I'm the detail person. I'm the one that executes. They come up with the ideas, I execute. So the limitation to that can be she's not strategic. She knows how to get it done and make it happen. Susan gets it done. But because I'm not up here at 30,000 feet with them, they may not regard me as being as strategic as I am. Yes. Right? I think you're right. And the 
I think people don't and women don't realize they have to own this and and manage their communication. Uh, you know, I think women are generally often doers. Uh, and mm-hmm. maybe there's also, when I was listening to you, a confidence factor in that sometimes we feel like we have to really be bold in having um, others um, understand our contributions mm-hmm. by by almost grandstanding, like, look at me, I've done this, I've done this, I can do that, mm-hmm. don't forget about this thing right. I did, right. instead of just having the confidence to have our outcomes and our work stand on its own. Now, certainly mm-hmm. we have to uh, assert when, um, you know, there's a feeling like uh, we're being gone around, but, you know, we're, we're generally competent people and people mm-hmm. notice when we do have a track record mm-hmm. and we can be a little bit more succinct in our communication accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I do think that there are times when women don't get the credit they deserve and they need to speak up, but there's no point in continuing to say, what about me? What about me? Really, really be a part of the the team and not not go to and we talked about this that you know when you talk about a woman in her career she will not always she will not always think of the team and the company she thinks about herself hmm. would you agree or not um i thought we talked about that yeah, last week we when we got together we did a bit I don't know. I um, a person comes to mind. I'm I'm trying to help a little bit uh, find a career path change. And you know, I do think there is a balance uh, with cheerleading yourself mm-hmm. and also and pursuing and you know um, the next step mm-hmm. in your career. But also, it's a little bit of a circular reference because you get there by also thinking of putting the company first and the needs of a team and the greater good, mm-hmm. you almost have to be playing, uh, talking out of both sides of your mouth or playing right. both sides right. of it, what's good for me and what's good for the company. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes a little practice to kind mm-hmm. of calibrate on those two dimensions. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And I do think that as more women uh, get into sports, as they play soccer in high school and uh, they are oriented more team to team playing, and what's what's the best for the team. Here's my individual contribution. I work on myself, but then I work as a team. I think that is helping women too. Yeah, and women need to kind of show up sometimes. You know, I uh, there might not always be things that I gravitate to, mm-hmm. but. Um, or maybe there's sometimes I don't want to go have that drink after work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it's important to build relational capital with your team members, with the men on the team in, mm-hmm. in, in an appropriate ways. And, um, you know, really find ways even out of the workplace, whether it's lunches or what have you, to um, make it connect on a personal level. Mm-hmm. How do you build relational capital with men, women in your company? How have you done that? Well, um, you know, it's important to respect hierarchy and not sidetrack any agendas. Uh, But I do believe in um, connecting with people at all levels of the company. And uh, that could look like one-on-one meetings and a lot of listening. Uh, You know, a key way I've done that is really asking people for their take on a business uh, situation, challenge, or opportunity and ask them what they would do. And so getting those multiple points of input is really important while not disrupting from someone's 
uh, first to do's, second to do's, third to do's mm-hmm. that are really put in place by themselves and their their direct manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last week, and I had your permission to talk about this. You have two boys, two sons. Um, you have a special needs son, Mitchell, who turns 13 in March. That's right. And tell me about tell me about him and maybe what you've learned from him, um, what he taught you. Yeah, I'm, I. It's funny. I'm. I'm a little bit more comfortable. Not 100. percent So yes, you asked my permission whether we could talk about Mitchell. I have two sons, Luke and Mitchell, and Mitchell was born with a severe uh, genetic uh, mutation uh, that causes him to not take be able to take care of himself in any way. He can't walk or talk or see. Mm. And um, I would love to talk about what I've learned from him because it's it's vast. But most importantly. I've really grown in even being able to share about the special person that he is or really even talk about my family much. I think when you're given, um, who many of us are, uh, a family situation that is not ideal, you know, there is a tendency to hide that. Uh, Maybe as women, we don't um, want to appear weak and it is uh, an extra challenge. Heck, sometimes just, you know, having a family and working is a challenge, even with yes. <laughs> in the most typical of standpoints. True. Um, but, you know, it took me a long time to share uh, share broadly about my son, Mitchell. And, you know, that that is a lesson. I, I think part of it is not knowing how much to share. When does vulnerability of, on a situation like that turn into oversharing or causing over, being overly emotional in the workplace? You know, I, I actually got to a point where I love my son. I accept him the way he is, but I really didn't want others to feel, mm-hmm. make other others feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he is a joy, a delight. He um, requires round-the-clock nursing, mm-hmm. uh, but he does go out and he goes to school. He's um, handsome. He loves singing, loves snuggling. And really, he's just taught me to take time to rest and enjoy simple things and uh, just be present. Those mm. are things that he's taught me. That he's taught you. When did you learn that he was? He had this um, rare disease. Illness? Well, he had health issues from birth. He had a heart situation mm. where um, he required heart surgery mm. to do a vascular ring repair. And my husband and I really thought like that was it. He's cured. And uh, but he never really fully developed after the surgery to repair that situation. And so we went through three years of really looking under every rock, taking every test, took him to the Cleveland Clinic. Of course, we in Cincinnati, we have an amazing children's mm-hmm. hospital, yes. Cincinnati Children's. So we had resources. We took him to all sorts of therapies. We really quite exhausted ourselves trying to fix him. Mm-hmm. And ultimate, and he went undiagnosed, really, all mm-hmm. that time. Uh, we did sort of settle into things and got more to a place of acceptance when he was around three. Mm. And then when he was seven, uh, his neurologist uh, gave me a call and said, there is now a genetic test that may produce new results. Uh, It wasn't available before because these things progress. And so we had him take this advanced genetic test and did find out the specific genetic mutation he had, which is called KIF-1A. It just means that your cells don't communicate effectively with one another. So while his eyes can see, for instance, he really doesn't have the internal communication to sort of power the eyes and connect the brain to the eyes. 
Uh, he was eighth in the world identified. He's written up in a couple wow. scientific papers. And so it's it's been a journey. Now there's over 200 identified, and I have a feeling the pace will accelerate. He's definitely on the more severe side. Mm, yeah. Um, and we talked about this along with Mitchell, and that is that, uh, you know, do you share, how much do you share? You know, do you, we, we tend to compartmentalize. Uh, I think men and women do this, is that we say, okay, that's work, this is home. And do you think there's openness in companies for women and men, for that matter, to share about what what's going on in their home life? Or do you think that reluctance maybe on your part was, I'm not sure what everybody's going to think about that. I don't want anybody to think that that's going to affect my ability to get things done here. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, just like I was saying, I've, I've struggled with this. I would use exactly the word you used. Um, I compartmentalized uh, when I was home. I was mom, but I was also special needs mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I was a little different for a while in that I had home help because of my career. So that was, you know, different. And I would not really be open about that. You know, when people would ask me, how does you, how do you do it all? I wanted to scream, I don't, I get help. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and then at work, um, I was a certain persona. I had some community involvement. Uh, but, you know, when you compartmentalize like that, uh, what I've learned is that you're you're actually incredibly lonely, mm-hmm. and it and you realize that it, you I felt at least for me I wasn't really showing up as my true self, and you realize well how is anyone else going to connect with me when I'm not my true self even in the workplace it could be either mm-hmm. at home or at work, so um, I actually uh, went about five years ago on a mission trip to South Africa with mm-hmm. some women. Mm-hmm. I didn't know these women extremely well. It was more of a community-based adventure with about 25 other women and neighbors. And I... My line is, I didn't say yes to going. I just never said no. So I found myself on this trip with women who were really amazing. And something special happened as we were serving in preschools and on farms. And we actually had an opportunity to train South African women on entrepreneurship, which mm-hmm. really was fulfilling mm-hmm. and uh, you know, put a piece together that that's why I was there. Um, teaching them some skills like that. But somewhere along that journey, um, some of my compartmentalizing really kind of came back into and helped me become one whole person. Mm -hmm. So your question about when is it appropriate to share, I do still think that you have to be authentic and and show your full self in the many dimensions of yourself. But I also think there's two in an appropriate degree. You know, when someone asks me, for instance, in business about my son, I'm very happy to share about it, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to go on and on <laughs> yeah. about it. Right. And, you know, I think that that takes practice mm-hmm. uh, of restraint and, and maybe also asking for permission. You know, do you mm-hmm. want to hear more? Most times I find people will listen to me nonstop about something like that. Right. And uh, but we just everything's a balance. Right. And I think. Um, you have to be careful because people might draw conclusions if you share too much about it, that they might draw conclusions about your ambition or not. I mean, you were at the head of the company, but women in middle management, it's like, well, she's got, you know, she's got three kids or four kids. She's got a lot of, you know, and she talks about it all the time. You know, there's a preconceived notion maybe that she's not as committed or something. So uh, I think I thought all sharing. these things yeah. I, that I had right. to work harder if um, I had some flexibility with 
um, needing to go out to appointments. Well, then I just mm-hmm. worked through the night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you do have to do that stuff. Yeah. You yeah, have to you get do. the job done. You have to get it done. And without excuse. But mm-hmm. on the other other hand, you know, don't maybe be so um, small thinking and how other people yeah, really see you. Project onto them on mm-hmm. how they think. Right. And that leads me to a question. You said something last week that I wrote down. You said, uh, my leadership improved when I became more transparent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You know, I have um, early on had a coach who helped me understand that the fastest way to get something done isn't always a straight line. You know, it's beneficial to bring other people uh, involved, you know, involved in anything. And, you know, that helped my followership Mm-hmm. Um, because I think prior to that, I was really kind of someone who was known to get something done, you know, just run at things and maybe not as great with the softer side of things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, similarly, then later when I got more comfortable talking about my complicated home life, I think people knew me more personally mm-hmm. and maybe understood me mm-hmm. a lot more. Um, you know, when you're a special needs parent, mom, there's not a lot of extra time. No. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine. there's not a lot of margin. So if I'm all business, like let's get to it, you know, can we do this in 15 minutes, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever it is, um I think that there was a greater understanding of who I am mm-hmm. and what makes me tick and I think people I felt an increased sense of mm-hmm. loyalty. Yeah, and and there you're showing them who you are. It's that whole Brené Brown vulnerability thing. Just, you know, show them who you are. Be vulnerable enough to say, "Here's what who I am and what I struggle with. I'm not just the president president of PACOR here. Right. I'm, I'm a mom and I have these other things. And know that they'll come toward you and not judge you or think of any less of you. Right. right. I I am so feel so grateful for um, the folks that have worked for me around me and that I have worked for. I've, I've just um, learned from a whole lot of people and I appreciate people being there as I've learned and stumbled and <laughs> evolved yeah. on the journey. Yeah. That's great. Um, you, uh, we, we had talked about, um, this and, and I've seen in my career, uh, that men can gather in business in more casual settings, whether it's going out for drinks, uh, whether it's a hunting trip, golfing, skiing trips. I know women that have been left out of skiing trips, um, and, when men get together like that, there's a natural bonding, and that's good. They develop better relationships, and there are women that gather and do that too. Uh, but when a lot of the power is held by men and they bond like that, you know, it's like when women are not included in that in that situation. Um, you, you know, tell me about that. Any kind of stories you have there? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I've been pretty fortunate that – at Paycor and now at Cincy Tech, there has been a good amount of diversity in the senior executive ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the time times when I felt most um, really showed up as like the only woman was more in the boardroom mm-hmm. for quite a long time, or maybe I, you know, with like at investment banking conferences. Uh, there's a lot of homogeneity. Yeah. <laughs> homogeneity. I'm not <laughs> in those environments, um, and you do have to stick your neck out and um, really be deliberate and not 
seeming sometimes like you're there to get the coffee. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Talked I about had, that with I, Julia Post and getting the coffee. She, she didn't get the coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there have been times when um, there's a little bit of a, a pack mentality when there's shared interest, and um, I think for me. You know, the we talked about relational capital. Like I've always wanted to be in a place where um, I'm positive to to those and the men around me. I'm appropriately voicing how what it what the impact to perhaps our our women population or mm-hmm. that we work with. Um, but there have been times when you know that going off maybe translates to business conversations, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden something starts kind of going down a different path um, when. Ultimately, I'm responsible for whatever's being discussed. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had to assert myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of leadership. And there's a way to do it that uh, choicefully, you cannot always be squeaky because some, if they're, they're always going around you, then you have to look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes this stuff comes from the joint workouts, the um, going uh, golfing, going mm-hmm. to um to happy hour and business starts being discussed. And, um, you know, I've, I've on occasion, uh, been known to sort of speak up and say, Hey, uh, you know, you're talking about this. It actually reports to me. I really need to be part of those discussions. Mm -hmm. I expect to be in the room from here on out. And usually I get an apology because I've built that trust. Mm -hmm. I think that some people are afraid to sort of make that assertion. And I, I just think it's really clear you got to stand your ground mm-hmm. and you're respected more for it. Right. No, you had to set boundaries around you guys are out here discussing something that's within my realm of responsibility and I expect to be included. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 I get that. We talked about something else that uh, uh, something called bro culture. And I've <laughs> seen that a lot. Tell me about what what you see there and if you've seen it before or what uh, what you've what you've done about it. So I think that's and actually say, a I, polarizing fr- word, uh, phrase. Um, but do you want to define it? Because we may not grow culture. I'm not sure that I would define it um, the way maybe if you Googled it, it would be defined. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do think there are walls put up when, um, when a team is uh, overly insular and, uh, especially when it's male dominated it's it, it, and i would actually um go on to say that it's also can be a non-diverse environment when someone's trying to break into it to get work done and mm-hmm. to achieve in their career for the betterment of themselves and the company it when when everyone looks the same talks the same does the same act goes to lunch together it's it's really not um being approachable to new thought. Mm-hmm. You Not know. healthy for a corporate environment, right? And you could wind up losing great talent. So mm-hmm. I would more call it a culture of um, insularity mm-hmm. when um, everyone is sort of behaving the same way um, and um, trying as leaders to break that down and actually talk about it is helpful. Mm-hmm. So I, um, when, when I was at Paycor, um, I started... I stopped saying, I should say, we we always wanted to find culture fits. Mm-hmm. And I actually stopped talking about culture fits so much because culture is really just bringing people into the culture and all the things you are. Mm-hmm. I really, I wanted to define a little differently what it meant to have a culture fit. What really are we looking for? Well, we're looking for people who have new ideas, who create, not mm-hmm. just 
um, perform tasks as told, Mm -hmm. you know, looking for a vitality and energy, someone Mm -hmm. willing to go the extra mile. Those might be characteristics that I would look for instead of culture fit, which really is maybe looking for, you know, people who are just like you are. Right. Yeah. That whole diversity thing Mm -hmm. uh, where it's like, you know, we need to diversity is healthy for corporations. And if you're all, you know, 25 to 35 year old white males, that's not that's not diverse. You know, you need to have people of color, women, uh, people that might be have a different sexual orientation. Let's let's match the company culture and look of what society looks like or or work at it. You know, Now I know if the the, these guys who worked for me were around, uh, they would chuckle at this. So I feel safe talking about it. But, you know, I had a team of product managers that worked for me for a long time. And in any given meeting, they would basically have the same uniform on, khaki pants and a blue checked shirt, button down, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I would kind of like chuckle, like, gosh, you guys even dress alike. <laughs> right, right. The uniform. Yeah. You know, and we talked about it because, you know, what other types do you need to have to your environment to build innovative software? Gosh, we can't always look the same. Right. Uh, but that role tended to uh, attract a certain profile. Mm-hmm. And I think as leaders, we need to challenge those profiles. And then, you know, it, it's it's certainly okay if people dress that way. It's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say anything negative right. about that, but it is it, it was I do just think kind of there's funny. a socialization thing there where it's like we all talk the same, we all dress the same, we all have, kind of have the same lives, and there could be a bonding aspect there. But if it can be non-inclusive of young women or other pe- people that are different, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And you can feel like an outsider, I think. I felt like an outsider in those situations over my career. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's intended to be, in some cases, intended to make you feel like an outsider. It's like we're the we're the cool guys over here. Yeah. And, um, yeah, banking, venture capital, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you go to conferences uh, in – the Bay Area in, in California mm-hmm. or Boston or New York, uh, there's there's a uniform there too. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 blazers and the gray pants or the va- the the vest. Um, I know I was had the a really fun opportunity to take my family to a banking conference in Vail during the summer, and it was just lovely. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but my husband works at J.P. Morgan Chase, and I will tell you, I probably was one of ma- less than ten females. In, in attendance. Um, and when we went to the joint events, you know, n- no one thought I was actually the attendee. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I understand. I've been there. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, hi, Steve. How are you doing? Uh, no, Susan's the mortgage banker. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I understand that. Um, yeah, we'll wrap up. I'll just ask you one more question, and then uh, um, we'll wrap it up. Uh, how has your husband helped your career? How what? Uh, how has he influenced your success? Um, and and he's there as a father of a special needs son and another son, Luke. Uh, yes. But how, how has he helped you? Well, we met through work. Thank okay. you for asking about him because he's like one of my biggest cheerleaders. Uh-huh. Uh, his name is Chris. And we, um, Paycor had a partnership uh, with Fifth Third Bank. He was at Fifth Third Bank prior. And he had referred some business to Paycor. Mm. And we met at um, a celebration of those types of re- that referral relationship. 
Uh, so we've we've known who each other is and what we you know our career ambitions from the beginning, hmm. uh, but we've grown in it. Um, one of my uh, favorite examples of how he has cheer- been my cheerleader is that at some point um, after I had become president, it dawned on him, hey, we need to put. Uh, my career, Stacy's career at the forefront. Hmm. So he asked me out. He said, bring your laptop. And we sat in a bar restaurant and I forwarded him all of the medical appointments. And he said, from here on out, I'm going to take care of all the doctor appointments. Now, really, as a mom, I did not want to miss every single appointment. Mm -hmm. But some of the routine ones, it was just acknowledgement that what I did was important, the impact Mm -hmm. I was having on our home, on our community, mm-hmm. of course, on on the company was all important. And that deference actually made him stronger to me. Mm. And Probably made you closer, too. Absolutely. He didn't feel threatened by your position. It was like, hey, let's make this work as a partnership. He's strong in his own right. I right. respect. He's a, he's a success himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, at that moment in time, uh, was was giant. Mm. Yeah. That's a really cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Stacy, thanks for being here today. I just oh, well, thank you. enjoyed meeting you, and uh, yes. yeah, I just relate to a lot of what you have to say. Oh, and... I appreciate being able to talk about some of these dynamics that we yeah. face as women, but really, you know, people wanting to succeed overall. Thank you right. so much. Sure, I can't wait to see what you do with Cincy Tech. Thank you. So thanks again. Thank you for listening today. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Follow us on Instagram at Leading She. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have many great ideas for women leaders.